0: Chapter 4 of The Old Tobacco Shop. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Walker, Kent, Connecticut. The Old Tobacco Shop by William Bowen. Chapter 4 In Which Mr. Hanlon Makes a Great Impression. Freddie found no one in the tobacco shop so he knocked on the door of the back room, and it was instantly opened by Mr. Littleback himself, but a Mr. Littleback so resplendent that Freddie hardly knew him. The suit of clothes which Mr. Littleback wore was beyond any doubt a brand-new suit. The ground-collar of it was a rich mauve, if you know what that is—not exactly purple nor violet, but somewhere in between— and up and down and across were stripes of brown making good-sized squares all over him it was extremely beautiful his collar was a high white collar very stiff and it held up his chin in front like a whitewashed fence his necktie was of a pale blue satin with little pink roses painted on it yes sir painted mind you by hand it was not one of those troublesome things that come in a single long piece and you take hours before the glass to twist and turn it over and under before you get them to look like a necktie no indeed it was far better than that it was tied already by somebody who could do it better than you ever could and when you bought it all you had to do was put it on fasten those two rubber bands behind with a hook and there you were perfect as to hair. The hand of the barber was yet upon him. His hair, parted on one side, was of a slickness which his own soap could never have accomplished. On the wide side it lay flat down on his forehead, and there gave a sudden curl backward, like the curve of a hairpin, but much more graceful. It is only the most studious barbers who ever learn to do it just right. There were creases down the arms of Mr. Toby's coat and down the front of his trouser legs. A yellow silk handkerchief showed itself, not boldly, but quietly from the front breast pocket. As he let Freddy in and, in doing so, turned his back to Aunt Amanda, she screamed and cried out, "'Toby, look behind you, merciful heavens!' Freddy, in the midst of his admiration of the magnificent creature, saw him whirl about and look behind himself in alarm. His aunt pointed at his coat and said sternly, "'Come here!' Freddie saw on the back of Mr. Toby's coat, near the bottom, as he whirled about a little square, white tag. Mr. Toby backed up to his aunt and stood before her, trying to look at his back over his shoulder, while she took her scissors and clipped the threads by which the tag was sewed to the back of his coat. She held up the tag. It had numbers printed and written on it. "'Now ain't that just like you, Toby Littleback,' she said." "'Goin' out with your
1: tag on your back, with your size on it and your height and age, too, for all I know. "'For anybody to see that you have got on a splittin' brand new suit right out of the shop, "'if you'd have gone out with that on your back, I'd have died with shame right here in this chair. "'Ain't you even able to dress yourself?' "'By crickets, that would have been bad,' said Toby, considerably upset. "'However, you caught me in time, so it ain't no use crying over it. Goodbye, aunt.' Come along, Freddy, or we'll be late. "'Ain't you going to wear a hat?'
0: said Aunt Amanda.
1: "'I declare the man's so excited he don't know what he's doing.' "'Blamed if I didn't
0: come near going out without a hat,' said Toby. "'Here she is.' He produced his hat from a cupboard in the room and put it on. It would have been a pity indeed for him to have gone out without it. It was a white derby. Yes, a white derby. It was the kind of a hat which was known in the city as a pinochle pronounced pinochle, by all well-informed boys. With the mauve suit and the hand-painted necktie and the whitewashed fence, the white derby set him off to perfection, especially as he wore it a little towards the back of his head so as to show the loveliest part of the plastered curl in his hair on the forehead. Aunt Amanda could not restrain her admiration. You'll do. I don't know that I've ever seen you look so genteel before. Toby, in the embarrassment of being considered genteel, put his hands in his trouser pockets.
1: "'Take them hands out of your
0: pockets,' said Aunt Amanda sharply, and he took them out in a hurry.
1: "'Now, Freddy,' she said, "'come over here a minute, and
0: I'll set you to rights.' Freddy stood before her knee, not very willingly, and she buttoned his jacket from top to bottom and put his cap squarely on his head. "'Now, you'd better be off,' she said. "'And I wish you were coming, too,' said Toby, his hand on the doorknob. "'Good-bye, Freddy,' said she. "'Good-bye,' said Freddy. "'Good-bye what?' said she. Aunt Amanda," said he. When they were out on the street and she heard Toby lock the shop door behind him, she took out her handkerchief and blew her nose. Her cold was evidently worse because she blew her nose several times, and then— Tucking her handkerchief away in her dress, she put her head down on her arm on the table and cried. The first thing Freddy did as they went up the street was to put his cap back again on the back of his head, and the next thing he did was to unbutton every button of his jacket from top to bottom. The little hunchback was in a great hurry, and he dragged the little boy along by a hand so fast that he could hardly keep up. As they hurried along, several naughty boys, observing Mr. Toby's white derby hat, called after him very rudely, Pee-knuckle! Pee-knuckle! But Mr. Toby paid no attention and dragged Freddy along faster than ever. We don't want to miss any of it, said Mr. Toby. Hurry up, boy! They did not have far to go, only four or five squares. They stopped before a great, grimy brick building with a great, wide entranceway here we are said toby what does that say up there said freddie want street theatre said toby hurry up toby hung back before a signboard on which was a picture of a slender man dressed in white clothing very tight with red and black squares on it he was leaning against a table his head and face were a dead white except for red eyebrows and a red spot in each cheek and he had no hair but a smooth dead-white skin from his forehead to the back of his neck the peculiar thing was that his head was on the table beside him and not on his neck freddy pointed to the writing underneath the picture and said what does that say Henlin superba said toby pulling him along hurry up we'll be late mr littleback went to a little window in the wall inside the entranceway and spoke to a man in there and evidently asked permission to go in and evidently got it and they did go in up a flight of stairs and found themselves suddenly among thousands and thousands of people as it seemed all sitting in chairs facing the same way in a vast house lit up by gaslight so that it was almost as bright as day And Toby and Freddy sat down in the very front row of these people and looked down over the railing in front of them on the heads of thousands and thousands, as it seemed, of other people, all sitting in chairs facing the same way. Everybody was facing towards a straight wall at the other side of the house, which had pictures painted on it. At the foot of this wall, in a kind of trench... There was a man at a piano, and there were other men with fiddles, big and little, and still others with brass things, and they were all playing a tremendous tune together. But just after Toby and Freddy had sat down, they stopped playing, and Toby nudged Freddy with his elbow and said, "'Now then, young feller, what do you think of this, eh? Just you wait. Keep your eye on that curtain.' he had no sooner said this than somewhere in the house somebody gave a piercing whistle between his fingers and in a minute there was such a racket that it was impossible to talk there must have been people above them and they must certainly have all been boys for from up there freddy heard a clapping of hands and a stamping of feet all in a regular time which spread to the whole house and in the midst of it the boys up there began to shout and call and whistle and in a few minutes there was such a hubbub as only boys can make with whistling between their fingers, leading the riot. Toby nudged Freddy again with his elbow, and to Freddy's surprise began to clap his hands and stamp his feet with the rest. And Freddy thought he ought to be polite. He clapped his hands too, though he did not know very well what it was all about. Suddenly the men in the trench at the foot of the painted wall struck up again, and that quieted the other noise for a moment, but only for a moment. Someone whistled through his fingers, and in an instant those fiddlers might as well have been sawing away at their fiddles out at the park for all you could hear them. And right in the midst of it all, while Freddie was trying to shout the words Peanuts into Toby's ear, suddenly the lights went out, and you could hear a pin drop. Now then, now then, whispered Mr. Toby in great excitement. Now you'll see. Watch the curtain. It's going up. From down there in that dark trench came the sound of a soft, twittery kind of music and at the same time the painted wall that freddie had been looking at was rising going up and it went on up and up out of sight into the ceiling and there behind it in a dim light there behind it mysterious and fearsome and delicious well there was fairyland just fairyland i can't describe it to you freddie never forgot it if you haven't seen Hamlin's superba in some old gaunt street theatre or other on a saturday afternoon with the galleries wild with boys ye have not lived when freddie tried to tell his mother and father about it that night it was such a whirling mass of wonders and glories that they could not make head nor tail of it it is useless to speak of the fairy queen in her glittering white coming to the rescue in the nick of time with her diamond scepter or of the horrible demons or the trouble and excitement they made for everybody or the beautiful young lady who and such leapings and twistings and climbings and tumblings as no mere human beings with bones in them could ever have performed it is no use it is best not to try to describe it but there was one part which, although it may seem to you the most unlikely thing in the world, really had a good deal to do with Freddy afterwards. There was the same man whose picture he had seen outside on the signboard, and he could climb straight walls and leap through high windows and tumble across floors in a way which passed belief. But there was one thing he could not do. He could not talk. He never spoke a word from beginning to end. Once, after having escaped from a parcel of wicked red imps, he sat down, tired out, and starved to death, before a table loaded with food, and he commenced to make a hearty meal. But just as he was about to sample each plate, it disappeared, vanished, completely out of sight, right under his nose. His distress was pitiable, and Freddy thought it cruel of everybody to laugh, as everybody did on his plate were sausages and he nearly got them but just as he thought he had them they actually jumped off the table and ran along the floor and up the wall and the poor man had to climb the wall after them which he did like a cat and even then he never came up with them he was terribly disappointed and to finish off his miseries at last a wicked creature with a sword came up behind him as he was leaning his head down on the table in despair and cut off his head before your very eyes really and truly cut it off there was no doubt about it the head was on the table and the poor man was in the chair freddie was terrified and clutched mr toby's arm but when the wicked murderer had gone away, back popped his head onto the dead man's neck, his eyes opened, he grinned from ear to ear, and there he was on his feet, skipping and tumbling as lively as ever, and at that, Freddie and all the others in the house roared and shouted and clapped their hands. "'Is that Mr. Hanlon?' whispered Freddie into Mr. Toby's ear." "'I reckon it is,' said Toby, too excited himself to pay much attention to Freddie. "'But it could not last forever. "'Even the peanuts, which Toby bought for Freddy between the first and second acts, "'were all gone, and the curtain was down for the last time, "'and the crowd crushed through the doors, and Mr. Toby put on his white derby hat. "'They were in the street, and the speechless Mr. Hanlon was a thing of the past.' Freddy did not believe that he would ever see that dumb and loose-headed man again, but in that he was mistaken, as you shall see. Toby left him at the corner near his father's house. What I say is, said Toby, three cheers for our grown-up party. Yes, said Freddy, and three cheers for Mr. Hanlon. End of Chapter 4